Okay, back for another episode of Pivot Points. Welcome, Elise, and some of our esteemed guests. Uh, to kick it off, I want to talk about 2020 was the year that events went virtual. And for those listening at home, I'm using quotation marks when I say went virtual because, honestly, they've there, been virtual. there's always been a, a strong digital component to the type of events that, that we do. But when the pandemic hit, it just kind of forced us to rethink how those tools are used, reevaluate how they're used, and, and get innovative with how they're used because at the end of the day, they really just are tools that we have been using. And to talk a little about that, we have two master craftspeople of said tools. We have Pat Leonard and Vinny Higgins. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, just want to ask kind of off the bat, as someone that's been working in this medium for a long time and then really had your jobs change, ramp up, I was about to say ramp down, but that never happened, change, <laughs> ramp up, ramp up again in the past 18 months. Um, my understanding is you've seen a lot or heard a lot of ideas about what virtual communications involve, what the platforms use and all that kind of stuff. Curious as to what are some of the biggest misconceptions there are out there in terms of what digital and virtual communication means in this new hybrid world when it comes to the event space? Yeah, well... Um, so first of all, we, it's definitely been a crazy ride since, you know, March, 2020, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, we've been doing virtual for 10 plus years, mm -hmm. you know, webcasts, virtual events, uh, and it's been, you know, ebbs and flows, uh, this past year, you know, now that everything went virtual, I think people, the most common misconception is that there's some sort of, you know, magic, you know, bullet that's going to solve all the the, the client's problems that yeah. they're going to there's a platform that's going to totally recreate the on-site event experience mm -hmm. um and that for whatever reason the web you know the tool that we're using for webcast is going to not have the same issues that the rest of the internet has. <laughs> so, yeah. We so, do not control the internet. Right, we do not control yeah. the internet. You right. Don't? You know, we, we do everything we can to um, you know con to control what we can control. Yeah. But you know, there obviously, you know, we've all been doing this now for 18 plus months. We know that there are issues that we can't control. So I, I think those are the big things that A, there's something that's going to totally replicate the on-site experience and two that that we're operating in a Internet uh, that is different from everybody right. else's. So, like internet. connectivity issues, connectivity issues, hiccup, yes. audio hiccups, that kind yeah, of sure. stuff is, is yeah. still very much part of the program. And, and you see that, I think, on, on national broadcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just different from the climbing when now I'm paying for it. So now I don't think the internet should behave that way. Right. <laughs> right. What, are some, what are some of those like things that are a misconception that it might be the platform or the production, but it's actually like we're at the mercy of the internet? Mm -hmm. What are some of those things? Yeah, I mean, just a simple thing like a connection with a speaker, if, you know, their audio drops out or, mm -hmm. you know, they're on mute, which, you know, happens a couple of times. Uh, Never. You know, <laughs> that, that happens. It's a real world experience. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in the live environment, it actually proves that you are live. So, you know, obviously we don't want to be on mute, but um, we try to just explain, you know, these things happen in regular TV yeah. broadcasts and they do this every single day for a lot longer than the virtual world's been, uh, virtual event space has been out there. So... Um, yeah. I do think there's a bit of a, a kind of a, a human element or something that humanizes the broadcast and the speaker when you do mm -hmm. run into those little glitches that we're all used to. Um, it makes it feel like for the audience, it does make you feel more like you're part of, you know, like like mm -hmm. witnessing a, a tiny hiccup like that makes you feel like you're part of the experience with the people on site and at home, which I think is like, again, an unintended 
unintended connection point, but a connection point nevertheless. That there's a little bit of a silver lining, I guess. Yeah, and proves that you're live. Yes, which yeah. is a huge thing. Yeah. That if if it goes off without a hitch too well, which is ultimately what you're looking for, because we've had questions on some of the things. Someone's like, "Is this really live?" Which on one hand is a great compliment to the work you guys are doing, but on the other hand, you want to always be making sure that it feels live because you want that audience at home to have that live connection with the content that's being broadcast. So that's always trying to make those two um, feel concurrent, both mm-hmm. feel live and then feel like it's live at home as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would, you know, I even, and this really doesn't really fall in our world that much, but even, you know, when you're doing a virtual, uh, a virtual meeting, right. And you know, someone's kid walks in the room or their dogs in the room. Mm-hmm. So I, any, I agree. Anything like that does make, you feel more connected to the person, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it's a it's a hiccup as opposed to an extended belt. Mistake. For lack of sure. a, you know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. A dog barking once, cute kind of thing. A dog that won't shut up, like, like annoying, annoying. And annoying. interfering yeah. with yeah. the yeah. with the content. <laughs> totally. I'm curious. So, I mean, obviously, we've been doing virtual for a long time, but I think now we've just seen the rise of virtual, which is funny because a lot of people are like, "It's so new." <laughs> um, well, what have you guys seen in terms of like virtual and the advancements of technology over the past 18 months? Are there things that like you've seen or been able to do that you really weren't able to do when it was kind of, you know, we were doing events and it was really 50-50 or, you know, virtual was kind of maybe smaller? Yeah, well, well the platforms have definitely evolved. Um, and I was just having this conversation actually with another coworker and, and from, you know, the start of this when everyone was still trying to figure it out, um, the platforms that everyone went to, you know, at first, those old kind of legacy platforms, uh, they're very kind of bulky, heavy platforms that, you know, they're not very flexible, not very customizable. They do what they do well, but like, you know, it's it's kind of like a templated thing that uh, really isn't like the greatest, you know, user experience, but it works, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the platforms have really evolved where now they're trying to solve for that engagement problem. They they look a lot, you know, slicker looking. They're, they're, they allow us to have presenter um, attendee, you know, communication, mm-hmm. you know, which, which the older platforms didn't allow for that. So I think that's the biggest thing really is allowing for the people watching the program to actually interact with the presenters. That's mm-hmm. something that we couldn't do before very easily. And now it seems like it's kind of being a standard, you know, add addition to these platforms coming out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's not just like a one-way experience anymore or like watching TV. It's like, I feel like now more than ever, everyone wants a very interactive experience. Exactly. What do you, what do you think that are... So like in terms of platform and production, I know we've talked about those are two very separate entities. What do you think are some of the common misconceptions between like platform and technology and then how it affects production? Right, because not to cut, but I've I've had clients that have been over the moon about a platform that they saw Mm -hmm. someone using. And as they're describing it to me, what it is they loved about what they saw, I'm like, that's not a platform. That's that's production. Like yeah. there was great production on that, whereas the platform was could have been agnostic for the things they were describing. So I, I do think there's a big misconception amongst uh, some of the people working or, or new to this this industry of what is production, what is what is platform. And I mm-hmm. wonder if you guys, yeah, could share a little bit about where some of the big guardrails are and anywhere you've seen either advance or or things that clients should know about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the easiest way I like to explain it is the platform is the wrapper. It's the home base of where all your content lives. Mm -hmm. You can customize it, brand it, 
And then the production is really what's in that video, what's in that video player, what's getting broadcasted out to the world. And, you know, we've had clients that, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to distinguish that because yep. they're like, oh, we saw these beautiful graphics and name banner, lower third graphics. And they're talking about platform, platform, like, oh, well, we can, we can do that virtually with any platform right. through our production studios. So I think that's the easiest way to distinguish it is platform is the wrapper and production is everything that's being sent out through that platform. And... Oh, go ahead. Vinny. No, I, I, you're, you're exactly right. And we, you know, it's funny. We were at the beginning of this, you know, back March, April, 2020. That's ex when we were struggling internally how to, you know, communicate and, you know, educate uh, our own, you know, internal staff. That's exactly the terminology that right. we came up with, right? Mm -hmm. The wrapper and then, you know, what's inside the wrapper. Because so yeah, It's a great way to describe it. Blaming it on the clients. I'm guilty of it too. When we first started, <laughs> right. I was like, oh, that looks awesome. We should use that platform all the time. It's like, right. oh no, that's our production crew. They could do that on everything except for Zoom practically at this point. <laughs> and, right. and that's, I think, really what makes the great thing about Kramer is that we are, you know, platform technology agnostic. And it really, t at the end of the day, our our, you know, sweet spot is making sure that these broadcasts are, you know, look great and are successful. And, you know, and also that, you know, we make sure the technology works, of course, but the, the creating that really nice looking broadcast, mm -hmm. I think we do such a good job of that day in and day out. Mm. One of the um, one of the, the areas I, I seen that I think has grown significantly in this 18 months, I'd love to hear your guys take on it, is the quality of remote broadcasts that used to be a much heavier lift than it feels like it is today. So do you guys want to, has that, am I wrong in that? D did stuff get better or as are we as an industry just getting better at, at having the right equipment uh, and servers to support that kind of the remote feeds that now seem crisper, cleaner, less, less drop, all that stuff that used to make you very nervous, I feel like doesn't happen as much and setting it up feels a lot easier, at least on my end. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably a combination of both. Um, you know, obviously technology has advanced over mm -hmm. the years, but I think a lot of the technology has been optimized differently purely for that that experience. The the workflow of how we optimize our, our gear and, it, you know, it wasn't overnight for us, but we figured out the most efficient workflow to really get that high quality experience. So you wouldn't even think that someone's in their living room or wherever. Right. Um, but then on the other hand of that, the, the production piece of it, you know, I think... If you look in our various broadcast hubs, you know, it, that took a lot of, um, you know, testing and and uh, working through different workflows to really figure out the best solution. And we didn't even have broadcast hubs, plural, right. if I recall, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. prior to before we had a singular hub because that's all that our clients really needed, the workflow. And, and then when suddenly everyone was doing these remote things, we had to expand as well. So necessity is kind of the, the mother of invention, as they say. So I, I get that also how it, like, you know, chicken or egg, but. What do you think? So speaking of kind of like new landscapes and technology evolving, what, like looking into like when we start to get back into live, maybe the hybrid model, all that stuff, how do you think that this technology is going to adapt or change or be incorporated into events? Well, first of all, I mean, virtual is not going away. You know, it, the, for a lot of the live events that we did prior to this, we were doing a webcast of the general session or, or the keynotes, right? Now I think that every live program, you know, is going to have a virtual component. And like a major And a virtual. major virtual component, right? And that's not just going to be streaming the general session. It's going to be streaming, you know, the breakouts, the, the auxiliary events that are going mm -hmm. on, the expo centers. So I think the platforms as they, you know, evolve to uh, support hybrid, 
it's all about how much content they can support, right? You know, mm -hmm. how, how easy it is to access the content. Um, I think that what remains to be seen really is how, if the platforms are going to really be able to support the virtual attendee and in-person attendee, you know, networking, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, which the question that right. we right. always get, how do we do and, networking? And the number one request with the least right. obvious answer. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think that, you know, I, I, that still, I don't think has been solved well. Um, maybe, you know, that, I think that's the area where there's the biggest potential, right? If somebody mm -hmm. can solve that problem. Mm -hmm. um, or people might just realize, you know, that really isn't a problem worth solving, right? We need, it's, people don't want to interact, you know, with the virtual opponent, right. or, um, attendees and the, you know, in-person attendees, you know, maybe it's just two separate experiences. But mm -hmm. I think the key really is how much content and how easy it is to like, to access that content, because we're going to want to put every possible thing from that in-person event online. Right? right. I think. Yeah. It's, it's that idea of what used to be kind of the secondary of we're focusing on this live events, and then maybe we'll have a, a few people join here and there. And now I feel like that's flipped because for some of the clients I worked with that were used to doing in person, forced to go virtual, um, you know, there, there, there were the, the bumps in the roads and some of the hiccups with the virtual programming, but what they fell in love with was the reach. You know, these are events that used mm -hmm. to have a thousand people in person and had now, you know, 5,000 people online. So they're just not going to let go of that. So I yeah. think it then becomes this marrying of the content and deciding where to kind of focus your energy in terms of live and then virtual. And then I think as the technology gets better, that'll become easier. And then you'll just see a more um, seamless uh, connection of the two. Yeah. Except right. for networking. I do agree. That's going to be this. But, you know, that's there should be something that's you know, unique to live that I think exactly. that's one of the things you're never going to get away with. So. Right. And there's and a lot of things that are unique to virtual that 100%. you can't get right. exactly. with live. So I think, yeah, seeing the benefit of both yeah. is super essential. The, the un, a word I can never say, being anonymous, you know, that idea of you can have your camera off and be doing other things. That's a huge benefit to that. Mm -hmm. In the right. same way of being able to talk to someone face to face about content you just saw and then go to the to the hotel bar with them and, and get a drink and talk it over more. That, mm -hmm. That's another very unique to lie that sometimes, you know, there's certain things that just at least now can't be replicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I see, I, I think ultimately what's going to happen is the virtual component is going to be used as a, a way to drive attendance, you know, to the mm. in real life mm -hmm. event. Right. Yeah. The. You know, that, don't you want to be here? Right. Don't you want to be here? Look at what yeah. you're missing. Look at this cocktail, you know, party. Look at all these networking opportunities. If you solve for networking online and you make it as easy to network online as it is in yeah. person, then, you know, th there used to be this fear of cannibalizing uh, the in-person event with yeah. the right. virtual event. You know, I, I think it's clear that that's not the case. <laughs> Which we right? talked about, like li like streaming live sports yes. makes you want to go to the it game that much more. It makes you want to go to the game even more, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think by putting more as much content as you can online, showing all the fun that you're missing, the networking opportunities you're missing, that'll help drive attendance in the yeah, future. It Absolutely. really becomes like a, a promotional tool for the sure. event experience itself. If you're doing something annually, you know, maybe this is your first year, maybe you're new, it's a user conference, you're new to the product or you're new to the company or whatnot. There's an idea of like, we want you to have this content available to you easily, you know, cost effectively. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, you really fall in love with it, Next year, we'll, we'll see in Vegas or wherever it is being held. I think that's like really a nice secondary value of all this that exactly. the companies can think of. Yeah. yeah. And sponsorship. 
That was another thing we talked about. There's like different sponsoring opportunities within virtual, I think, is like really, really untapped potential for, for clients. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, the technology allows the production to live on, the content to live on, and also that you have an actual platform so that you do want to go back to the live exactly. event experience year after exactly. year. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's about all the time we have for you guys are in high demand in this building, yes. so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Thanks well, so much thanks for, for joining us. us. Yeah, yeah, thanks great. for having us. And then great. thanks to everyone watching and listening at home. This is another episode of Pivot Points. Mm-hmm.